How much treasure do we have in reserve? I have plenty of credits. What I'm short on is muscle. Credits can buy muscle. If you know where to look. Welcome, everybody, to another special edition of Back in My Day on our Patreon page. That is patreon.com slash backinmyday. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. This time, we are going to be talking about the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 4. Now, I was not here for Chapter 3 with Ian and Mike. I added my two cents for about uh, four to five minutes at the beginning of the episode, but... uh, now it's just me and Ian, so we're sort of doing a roundtable. I hope you're here next time, but if we kept the rotation going, Ian, then uh, it'd be me and Mike next time. So That's right. <laughs> we're underpowered, so to speak. We're underpowered. Oh, we have we have uh, pulled the power for this uh, current episode, but that's okay. We'll be back with, uh, with the three of us next time, and uh, we have a couple of exciting episodes coming up, too, so... Um, I guess we'll just start with what we've done before. We'll uh, we'll just start with overall brief thoughts of uh, what we thought of the episode and then get into detail um, scene by scene, basically. So, Ian, uh, mm-hmm. what did you think of Chapter 4 of the Book of Boba Fett? I loved it. I mean, as as much as uh, I think we, we can admit we're going to watch this series, whether it takes a dive or not, I still think I'm really excited from week to week and I'm I'm increasingly excited to see where this is going and i think i have a better idea of where it's headed so knowing that and knowing that like now there's sort of more because i mentioned to mike in the last episode i had watched all three before we talked about it and that was a really cool experience so knowing that there's sort of more to play with now and there's more to to call back upon and there's just more going on there's more depth to it overall so every little thing that happens you've experienced more and you're getting more out of it that being said, I'm trying to figure out if this is my favorite episode. So that's where I'm kind of sitting with it right now. It's uh, definitely been fun and it's hard for me to decide if it's it's like that new, new, you know, you're, you're really excited about it. Um, the first three I had more time with, I watched over and over more leading up to this. And now this is kind of like, oh, I just watched it coming off of it. Feel really good about it. That's basically where the, the recency bias is always a thing. Right? That's right. That's, that's, that's what right. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting because for me, this may be my least favorite. Out least, of all of them. even including last week's, uh, according to the internet, debacle. <laughs> yeah, even even uh, even with that, yeah, this might be the least. And it's it's not because I disliked it. See, that's the other thing. It's the same thing we've talked about when we ta- went through all of Mandalorian both seasons. When we've gone through all the Marvel shows, like there, it's still enjoyable. I still like it. I would still continue to watch it no matter what. Um, and I still enjoy it. It's just, how do you, how do you rank them? If you're going to, Mm. this could be the least and, and I'll get to the details as it's a little, it's, it's mainly because there's little things that bothered me rather Mm. than like, Oh, this was just not enjoyable. I didn't like watching it. So, um, I do like it and I do think like, you're right. It's, it's, it's driving the current quote unquote current timeline forward, which is, which is a good thing. Um, although I, Really enjoyed the flashback of uh, of chapter two, which was like the best 
Well, I think that's the you thing know? is I think that's why it's hard to compare this episode to chapter two because it was kind yeah. of like the stakes of knowing that it's a flashback mm-hmm. are not as high as the present. And now we're moving forward into the present where it's kind of into the unknown. Yep. That having been said, even if I were to say that this episode was my favorite overall, I don't think it had my favorite moment. I think my favorite moments came from like episode two and even some of episode three. Yeah, so same, same. I compare this one to the first one in that it seemed to do a lot of table setting, a yes. lot of getting us prepared for the last three episodes. Yeah. And in that respect, like I get it if it's not it's, it's it, the right it in the middle, right? Pop as right much. In the middle. Exactly. Yeah. It might not have popped as much as some of the other moments, but I think like consistently from start to finish, I was really sort of wrapped up in what was going on. So, yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Okay. All right. Well, let's start from the beginning. Uh Ian, what's uh what do we see first and how does it play out? So interestingly, we're back in the back to tank, but you know, as we know from watching the episode, we might be done with it. We don't know, but it yeah. seems like we might be saying goodbye to the flashbacks overall. So I was talking to Mike about how the first three episodes really played well together as its own like standalone experience. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. got three yeah. major flat flashbacks that kind of had told an arc, st- told a story. This flashback kind of reflects on that, but really it was like a trilogy of flashbacks, those first three, right? So we had a full story about his past, and this flashback brought us more towards the present. Yeah. So we started off with the flashback because we see him in the back to tank. We know every time he's in the back to tank, he's reflecting on what's happened before um, since the Sarlacc, I guess, and even some sprinkles of stuff from before. Yeah. But uh, basically he's remembering the time that he wanted to go and get his ship back, his beloved slave one, or as we're referring to it, uh, post return of the Jedi, the fire spray ship. Um, So, (laughs) so he it's whatever you want to call it. It's a dope ship. The Lego Legos, uh, series would call it Boba Fett's ship and that's fine yeah, by or me. starship or uh, something yeah. Like that. yeah and that is fine whatever you want to call it it Doesn't is matter it is it's an incredible good. ship it's probably one of my top five ships it's it's super unique right like yeah. it's always been like this whoa like even even when I was watching this episode which I know that my wife watched all of Mandalorian with me she's watching all of this with me like she's she's into it you know she's not she's not a huge Star Wars fan but she'll she'll watch all this stuff with me and enjoy it I think she's she's liking it but She's always surprised that like it's a ship that lies on its back. You get into it and you're lying down, basically. Like things like That's that right. That's make right. it unique and and weird. And then when it's flying, it it just looks like this helmet that's flying towards you. That's the way I always see it. I always see it as like this this not stormtrooper helmet, but some sort of if you were to get that ship and put it on someone's shoulders, it would look like they're wearing this ship as a yeah. helmet. And so that's kind of what it looks like. And it's I don't know. Yeah. Just because of because it's so different than the rest of them, and because it's been present since the beginning, really, um, it's so cool that it's still around and it still makes an impact. Yeah. So. And it's no surprise that that kind of ship and the lore that comes with it is something that you know George Lucas wanted to work into his prequel series. I get yeah, it. Like, yeah. Like we want to see more with the the sh- the fire spaceship, right? So yeah. That that ship. I don't know if I'm making this up or if it was a prequel thing, but I, I always thought that you got into the cockpit and then it rotated. But it seems like he kind of just lies down in it, and then when he flies, he's already up. He's uh, he's up. Yeah, that's what. But well, that's I, definitely for some like reason, I have this like memory in my head. It must be mis memory that like you get in and you're kind of, and then it just like flips. But I wonder uh, if um, 
I wonder if there was like a toy that did it that way. Maybe the toy did it. The toys probably opened up that way because it would be the most obvious way to put your little character in, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's Lego or whether it's just some sort of action figure or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of it. And it's very easy to like, (laughs) you're a kid and you're playing around with a toy. You like you 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 picture this toy in front of you as if it's on the screen, you know? Because yeah. That's a good point. I wonder if that that could be a thing, because if you think about it, when we have very minimal exposure to Boba Fett, I don't know if you watch Under the Helmet, but it's incredible to watch the evolution of this guy who started out as an action figure, literally a toy, and got brought to the big screen in Empire Strikes Back. So we get this kind of incredible bounty hunter figure, but not we don't know much about him. We don't know much about how his ship works or anything like that. So when you come out with toys and stuff like that, after the fact, you see this ship, like they got to come up with those decisions on the spot. These these marketing people, these like toy developers, they got to just be like, yeah, it just kind of rotates. He puts them in. I don't know if that's that's where I got that idea, but that's definitely yeah. A no, I could see a possibility. That way, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this is interesting because now I I kind of want to take a, a second before we kind of dive into this episode, just to kind of say from this moment to the inevitable moment where we're gonna meet up with Fennec Shan. That's where we're headed in this episode. That's what this episode's all about, and it's great. I, I loved it, but I'm I'm struggling. There's one thing I am struggling with. I don't know if this bothered you too. It's not super clear the timeline to me. It's like I have to piece it together after the fact. It's not. It's, no, I think I think you're right, but I I I, I wonder. I I thought about that too because Mandalorian, from what I remember, is about five ish years after Jedi. Right? That's right. That's the idea. Okay, yeah. so. So everything that happened with him and the Tuscans is, you know, anywhere between a few months after Jedi to a couple years. Because in yeah. this episode, he mentions, I was with the, the Tuscans for, I think he said several years or a couple years. He's, he yeah, says and, that in this And episode. I interpreted that as like he was with them several years ago, which is strange because we oh, went see, from... I interpreted it as he was with them for several years. Yeah, see, Although, that, and that... In the show, in these few episodes, it seems like he's only with them for like, let's say six months at the most. That's what I was going to say. So I'm leaning even lower, like one to three, like three months tops. Like, so that's what it feels like. And I get that it's hard to capture that, especially when you're not coming out and saying it. Yeah. They have, we, we've, we've uh, docked them in several occasions for coming out and saying too much and too much exposition here and there. <laughs> but, true, yeah. but at the same time, like I, you're dealing with a format that's very interesting. Like not that it's never been done in television, but it's never been done in star Wars in this way. So yeah. you're trying to tell two stories at once. And now, as I mentioned, you had this great kind of trilogy of flashbacks. And now this flashback brings it from the past to the forefront, literally mm. matching it up with Mandalorian's timeline. So I'm not saying it's a huge deal or it's like I'm racking my brain too hard over it, but I will say like this is where he's coming up on Jabba's palace. So this is his first time trying to reclaim his ship and he realizes he can't do it alone. It's just him and a Bantha. So realistically, if he was only with them for a couple months, Maybe he said it was a couple of years, but I think that that's the point is like one line of dialogue isn't enough for us to really hammer it that's home. Right. Yeah. Uh, where exactly he's what he's been up to for five years, because when we saw him in the Mandalorian, like we guessed, okay, by the time we see him in season two, we are confirmed that he's stumbling upon Fennec Shand at the end of episode five in Mandalorian. And then we're confirmed again in this episode that like when he meets Fennec Shand for the first time, it's, it's right around the time she gets left for dead. 
Yeah. So yeah. that's that's meaning that it's already five years have passed. So from the first flashbacks, yeah, scene or at least to, or at least four and a half or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So from chapter one to chapter four, we've we've somehow gotten through five years, and that's the one thing I will say about this episode is I didn't feel that he went through five years. Not to say that like every flashback has to be every moment that he spent on Tatooine yeah. between Sarlacc and now. It's just like maybe it was just the highlights, but. I just think that like it seemed to be a consistent run with him and the Tuscans until he kind of earned his stripes. And then it seemed to jump pretty quick from that moment to let's go get my armor. And now we're already caught up. So that's where I'm at with that. And so he, like I said, tried to scope out, literally scope out uh, Jabba's palace to try and reclaim his ship. Uh, Realize he can't do it alone. Then um, he's, camping out with his bantha he sees the like the explosions oh. go off those flares up in the sky oh. and uh and and now you know we, we know he makes his way over to find the only thing remaining from that battle so that that which flare is going Shand. up yeah, yeah but that flare going up i'm not crazy right that definitely had the mandalorian theme it did mixed in okay. you're not crazy and that okay. like we again like the score is important in most movies and television and mm-hmm. we talk about how sometimes it's subtle sometimes it just sets the tone but other times it's like it's really part of the story well, and I in think, star wars for sure it is yeah and i and, and it definitely is in star wars in general for sure but i think there's something about the mandalorian one being so and this one too and the book of boba fett theme being so they're still unique compared to the rest of star wars because they're much more um acoustic maybe yeah you know like the influence tribal tribal the influences are much different than than the other ones you know they're a lot less orchestral and everything i mean they still are but you know there aren't obvious horns there aren't obvious types of you know instruments that you all the john williams stuff had so like the Mm -hmm. second you hear even a hint of it which we get twice in this episode that's right which we'll get to that Mm -hmm. i think like i was like literally, this is already a meme that I've seen going around in the last 24 hours since this episode came out is the whole Leo DiCaprio pointing at the TV meme of like, when you hear that music, that's what you did. I, I literally did that on the couch. Yeah. I literally went, oh, and I pointed at the TV without even thinking about it. Yeah. And the wife goes, oh, yeah, that was from the other show. Like she <laughs> she knew it automatically, too. Right. Like for, you know, in, in, in her head, it, it didn't automatically come to her mind, but she knew exactly what it was from. Yeah. And it was like, you know, two notes or something. And it was just to me, those those hints of the music were were likely the best parts of this whole episode to me was just yeah. that not because I need to see I need to see him in, in you know, or 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 Grogu or any of that. I don't need to see them in this show, but just the sort of play in and building this separate set of storylines. Like that's what got me. And um, as long as I'm not so, as long as I'm not crazy, like you said, I'm not. So that's good. That's great. No, definitely not because it definitely hit, hit it off and it served, I would say several purposes. Like not only was Mm -hmm. it like a hearty reminder that like of the stuff we love from before, I think like a lot of people can agree that the episode, um, sorry, it was chapter 14. It was right after the Jedi. It was like where they were headed next. It was when we yep. got introduced to Boba Fett for the first time since Return of the Jedi, literally. Yeah. Um, is like one of the better episodes of the whole yeah, definitely Mandalorian. Is. That was and, great. And so 
I had mentioned to Mike how I don't think I'm alone in saying episode five, which was Dave Filoni's first directorial uh, attempt, was not that I disliked the episode. I think I liked the series overall. It's just that it was my least favorite episode of that season and right. maybe even the show overall. So it's like to to now be thinking about that episode, and this is kind of what I was saying, I think, before we hit record, is just like, you you think about the stuff that happened, whether you were into it at the time or not. It's like they make you like really recall yeah. everything, and and yeah. and the way it all ties in, like you were saying, it's just so that like it's not only a cue, a musical cue that makes us like that reminds us, but then it's like it's instantly instantly bringing us up to speed of like yes, he's joining uh, us. We're getting to see the other side of that moment where Fennec Shan is being left for dead. And it's just like, now you're kind of whatever you thought about the format and the flashbacks. It's like, you're, if you watch two seasons of the Mandalorian, you have to be invested in what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah. So I found, I found it interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll get to, so he, he gets a, he gets the Fennec and, and Caesar and picks her up. I found it interesting though, that I was waiting for it. I mean, I did, listen to another podcast that mentioned this as well. But I did in the moment also think like, oh, how come he doesn't have his like when he walks up to her in the Mandalorian, which is I think is in season one, I believe he kind of has like that um, Western. What are they? What do they call those? Do they have the things? Spurs? The spurs. And in this episode, that sound doesn't show up. I wonder if that was. Hmm. I wonder if that was just part of the music and the score or the feel of the show. And in here, he wasn't like, I wonder if it was meant or if he was he actually meant to be wearing something like that. So I heard, you know, I heard like, about I, this. I'm just, yeah, I heard about this. Uh, I, I would call it a complaint and it's valid. But I, I heard about it and I thought to myself, I watched Under the Helmet. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I could be wrong. I don't know if the character does he actually wear spurs or is it something where they use that sound effect as like a boba fett sort of walking around sound effect that's that's what i was thinking i don't think he's actually necessarily wearing the spurs and like that in that respect if it's just a sound effect it doesn't make a lot of canonical sense if that makes if that registers but like again i think it's like that Q was another Q at the end of episode five to hint that it is Boba Fett. Yeah. And if it's true, if I'm right, that he's not actually wearing any spurs, then it was just part of the ambiance. And therefore it wouldn't make as much sense to repeat that sound Mm -hmm. when he's not the Boba Fett that we remember before. If that makes sense. It was, no, it was, it was more used in that episode, like the originally in episode five of five or six of season one, to just give you that reminder rather mm-hmm. than he actually wears them. Cause I don't recall him ever and seeing any yes. screenshots or anything, him ever having anything on his boots that would have that kind of sound and definitely not like an actual spur, like that look like little. Stars exactly. So I, I so. think it's not so much that he's wearing spurs is that like when they designed the character, they came up with this idea. He's kind of like a gunslinger. Yeah. We're going to have him show up and it's going to, you're going to hear those spurs. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of like, you know, even though cute. even though yeah. Darth Vader's breathing is actual like real canon, um, it's like when Darth Vader Vader breathes, you get the idea like it's it's Darth Vader. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't make as much sense when you start to 
go into the greater it's a it's a little nitty gritty thing that yeah. i that i noticed but it's just yeah no i that, i'm yeah. totally with you on that but like at the same time i didn't even catch it so i was just like i caught it yeah. in the moment but then i i forgot about it pretty quickly you know yeah. like it's it's not it's not gonna make me hang up on on uh on the show or on the episode as yeah. much as i'm probably even making it out to be in the moment so <laughs> well so so here he is he's 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 been changed through his experience with the Tuscans. He's finding Fennec Shand left for dead, very similar to how he was. And I think he just sees sort of a little bit of himself and his journey in her mm-hmm. and decides to try and save her. So he takes her. This is the interesting part. And this is the thing that I can guarantee you is going to keep the conversations going online. But he <laughs> takes her to most Eisley to a mod parlor Yes. Um, where he tries to get them to save her from a fatal gut shot wound, as he refers to it. So, yeah. Um, so it was interesting because uh, we don't see, like you mentioned, any of the mod squad from the previous episode in this episode. However, we do get a bit of a backstory as to how the younger sort of rebellious generation on Tatooine are spending their money. They're going out to these mod parlors and getting upgrades with droid parts and making them part of their own physical presence so they mm-hmm. can kind of uh, create their own identity, which is, I don't know, it's uh, your mileage may vary type of story, I guess, within Star Wars. But I think I was talking about this a little bit earlier before we record. It's It kind of seems like Star Wars is opening up a little bit. And That's whether exactly or not it. you dig yeah. each aspect of it, it, there's something in Star Wars for everybody. And I think I, yeah. I like that. I, I like how I think this is this is exactly what I said when we were doing sort of the pre-show stuff is that it's a way of bringing in a new idea into a familiar place and familiar people. Right. Yeah. Like that's that's what they're doing here. And it it the execution doesn't doesn't fully work for me, but I still think that the idea of it saves it that I'm OK with the fact that this is what they're doing. You know, like yeah. I'm not upset that this is a thing. I'm not upset that it even looks somewhat out of place in some shots or whatever but it's kind of supposed to right i mean these are these are the punk rebellion cyberpunk kids quote-unquote mm-hmm. kids that are trying to do something different and what really got me interested in this actually is what i what i thought of eventually just as i think i kind of thought of it as this scene was wrapping up is i wonder and this is just pure speculation probably they don't even have any time to address it whatsoever unless they sort of take this into another season or they talk about the actual mods that are part of his his crew um is i wonder if part of their inspiration of wanting to do this is that luke had a robotic hand that's very possible that's that's what i thought would be really cool because whether they are um, you know, rebels or punk kids or whatever you want to call them, like the sort of badass type of kids that want to go against the grain, regardless of what planet they're on. Like everybody at this point, especially three to five years later, will hear who Luke is and what happened. Yeah. And pro- whether they know about the story that happens in Return of the Jedi or whether they know of what happens that he actually got his hand cut off, you know, a couple of years before that, like, the fact that that is just part of his story. I, I, just, I don't know. I find that interesting. I find that like, maybe, maybe there's something to that because he yeah. was able to succeed with having only one quote unquote, you know, real hand. Yeah. Um, so I thought that could be, maybe I'm just reaching, but that's, no, you know, what? that's what I, I thought of. I think it's fine. I think that a lot of this stuff 
in in Star Wars in general, but you know, as we go on with the new stories in Star Wars, it lends itself to kind of I think it it kind of wants you to run with it, take it and run with it and whether or not like you're exactly on par with what they end up making it being, like it's fun to kind of speculate and and this mm-hmm. and that and and create your own world within worlds and and i can get on board with what you're saying because if if you're going with down that road i'll I'll go down with it with you and say that you know tatooine love it or hate it is luke's homeworld. yes and therefore if anybody's going to try and mimic things about him to try and seem cool it would be the youngins on tatooine who are like wow luke had a robot like a droid hand it's 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 Like, like us it's like anybody that is from you know, their hometown and an athlete is, is very successful, right? That's right. To an even larger scale, really, when you really think about the stakes that are, athletes are just here for entertainment, but these guys, you know, Luke is literally saving the galaxy, you know? And, uh, and I I don't know, I, it it could be a stretch, but I thought that could be kind of interesting. And and maybe it makes it more, I don't know. I didn't love this scene the way that they did it the way that that it's sort of the montage of of sort of fixing Fennec, but the idea of it still really works for me. Yeah. So, yeah, so they were uh, basically um, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand are sort of camping out and, you know, he takes her until she comes to and then realizes that, you know, he tells her that he saved her. So at first she's a little apprehensive because I think she's always been kind of the lone uh, mm-hmm. gunslinger she's like a lone wolf she's a master assassin does her you know she does work for people takes jobs for people but ultimately uh is out for herself and this is kind of a situation where she's understanding that someone has done something for her and it seems pretty selfless and i think she can kind of read between the lines with all that so i did i did i dig the uh, conversations they were they were having around the fire and this and that yeah and same. just Boba, Fennec, and the Bantha, of course. Yep. And they're both <laughs> riding it because she agrees to go with him to reclaim his ship. So yeah. basically they end up going over back to scout out Jabba's palace and see if it's possible to do this episode, at least the first half and the first major action sequence is essentially a heist episode, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so we get that. And let's see, Shin. Her little yeah. uh, uh, droid to sort of scout the place out. Which I yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I thought I, it was cool. I I was wondering if it was like gonna do something, if it was gonna like unlock the door, or if it was gonna zap the guys out front or whatever. But I what I what I liked about it the most was actually when it came back and it sort of had like a mini sort of holographic map of everything. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, I thought so cool. I thought about this and like. I mean this in the most complimentary of ways, but I think <laughs> I've thought I thought about this even when I was watching Mandalorian is that wow, like this would make a great video game and like this plays as a nice video game. Like a lot of the stuff that yeah. Mando does in the Mandalorian, it it especially like that sort of week to week monster of the week stuff, that would really lend itself well to a nice like storytelling video game experience. And this is kind of the same way in that like yeah, you, you, you know, here's your mission. Here's the map. It's all laid out for you. Right. Here are all the guards. This is where they are. Maybe if you think about Goldeneye even, like when you get like, yeah. you know, you see the layout, like at the beginning of the level, it shows you and you kind of go, okay, there's right. guards here. There's guards there. That and then that, you start yeah. and then you like you kind of know a little bit of what's up. So, yeah, I mean, like there were, it was kind of, there was some stuff played for comedy, but I think at the end of the day, once it really started to pop off, 
and the stakes were high. They needed to get the the ship and get out of there. Um, I think the only thing that kind of lowers the stakes in these situations are that we know what's going to happen. We know that they eventually get out. The only problem is, like, I think even if we didn't know, we would still know. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. And yeah, I still think the action the was incredible. True. I, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think when they get to the ship, it's cool. I, I like... I like that they come in in a kitchen. I like that the that those two droids are there trying to figure out what's going on. Although but it I, is pr- it is pretty funny though that they have this huge gate and it's always about the gate. And then yeah. all they have to do is go through the sewer, go through the side vents or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the sewer. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous. Um, the only thing I didn't I didn't really like the whole like chasing around the little guy um, droid thing because it doesn't really feel part of Boba's character to mm. not be able to sort of figure it out, you know? Right. And they're trying to be quiet and they, and they mostly are until that the little guy shows up, but then he's like knocking stuff all over the place. And I'm just like, Oh, obviously they're going to hear him, And they, and they don't. And I just, it, it didn't quite fit. You know, yeah. it, it felt like he was a little bit more of a bumbling <sighs> idiot in that moment. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he was panicking, you know, and we, I, and I, I personally didn't get that feeling from it. Maybe that's what they were going for. He's kind of panicking, trying to figure it out and everything. And I know the guy's small, so he can kind of jump everywhere and all that. But um, yeah, that um, that droid was a callback, I believe, from some of the animated series. So we, we've definitely seen this is like his live action debut. But I thought it was funny because he's the rat catcher. Yeah, they had. Um, I thought that was good. He shows up and he's like ready to catch the rat, and he sees the two of them. So that's I right. Like that I like that part. They had the droid from Return of the Jedi, which yes. he was like kind of uh, like he was in charge of the other droids, right? He was, was in charge of like sending them to where they go or torturing them, right? Yeah, or torturing them. And I, think, I don't know I if believe... it's the same, if it's the exact same droid, but it talks the same way. Yeah, exactly. It definitely talks the same way. So it's either the same type of droid or it's the same guy. And then we had Chef Grievous, which, like, when he rips out those blades and starts spinning them, I'm like, you can't. I mean, that's obviously kind of exactly what I thought of. uh, A callback to the General Grievous. I I was kind of looking for, and this is like, it's a really quick shot when he kind of pulls all his arms out like that. I think he has six arms as well. Um, I was hoping that, like, maybe like the light would glisten off of each of the blades to be like, and it would look color. like lightsabers. Yeah. yeah that'd be cool. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. That been, yeah. Maybe so, there is a little bit of that. And I only watched it once, but maybe there was a bit of that. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was a, it was a bit comical at first, but I think it, it quickly kind of uh, escalated once they sort of see the ship and they, you, you yeah. see the sort of the light at the end of the tunnel, the goal, and then all the guards, the alarm goes off, all the guards are pouring in. And I thought the action was pretty good here. So um, I, I think overall what I liked about this episode is that we're finally seeing Fennec, Fennec Shan's giving, getting her moment to shine. Yeah, it took a little and, a little while, yeah. And that moment uh, that you mentioned where he sort of seems clumsy in the kitchen mm-hmm. is also one of the first times since they've gotten together that you start to understand that she's actually the stronger of the two, at least at this moment in time in figuring it out and making it happen like yeah i mean she definitely has more finesse they have a good dynamic where they work well together but he's still trying to remain the alpha and still like throwing those jabs like don't touch this don't do that uh like do it my way but she's clearly kind of quicking uh thinking quicker on her feet and that kind of stuff so yeah so i i dig that i dig that like we're starting to see more of her characterization. And I think we needed that because as much as we loved her leading up to like 
I think we loved everything that we got from her in the Mandalorian, but we didn't, that was always a missing piece of the puzzle. It's like, Oh, how'd these two link up? Like we know that I think a lot of us assumed like there was a life debt situation, which I think we'll touch on in a bit, but like, it seems it's actually, it sounds like it's actually the reverse because they make a deal um, to work together. And it sounds like it's actually Boba Fett who's pledged himself to her. So yeah. Which he says at the fire, right? Or somebody's Yeah. Yeah, he's well, oh no, he I, says I that think after this. It's it's basically this. like she she kept saying, like, I'll do this one thing for you, we're square. Yeah, yeah And yeah. then as they sort of seem that they work together once, well. Once it's... they actually get the slave one, once they actually get the ship, then they have yep. another conversation. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they they, you know, they ultimately get the ship, they take off. And this is where it's like, okay, Boba needed something back, right? Like he doesn't have his armor yet, but he has his ship. And I think like that starts to show because he kind of feels a bit more empowered, like more like yeah, the old Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, and whether or not this is misguided and we could talk about it, he basically, the first thing he wants to do and she, um, Fennec Shand agrees to go with, along with him for the ride. Yeah. First thing he wants to do, get some sweet revenge. Um, revenge is a dish best served cold. And I think it was awesome to see that there is a bit of that raw Boba Fett still in him. Yeah. Uh, this was a very callous move, I think. And it was, uh, it was it was a sight to behold. It was basically he tracks down the Nikto uh, bike rider gang, uh, the Kinton riders or whatever they were called, referred to mm-hmm. by the Pikes, and he finds them and mercilessly just dispatches them with his uh, fire spray ship and basically just annihilates them, which is yeah, incredible. Cool. And even throws a missile at the last guy, which was so overkill. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Dude, he's the last guy. You clearly have them not like you have them in your sights. Like, is it necessary? Yeah. The only other, the only thing that bought, like, not, it didn't bother me, but I guess I was only slightly disappointed that I thought he was going to have himself, Fennec, and the mods go take these guys out. That's what okay. I thought he was going to do, right? I thought there was going to be some sort of fight between them, and you'd have a reason to have this group with you because now you have a group fighting a group. So you wanted like the two biker gangs and like the contrast between the Vespas and the the most Vespa gang and which which I yeah the most Vespas yeah that was Um, that's a good one I've seen going around that so that's what I was I was kind of hoping for or at least assuming and that but so far it looks like that's not going to happen unless this was like a different group of the bikers and that's coming down the line which is I'm still sort of hopeful that that happens because I think that would be interesting it's two different styles of of characters fighting each other. Yeah. And I think you could do some cool things with that. But I, I agree. It is a sort of still a sort of old Boba Fett character moment while also still building off of the fact that he's still changing. Like, the, like he does it for a different reason, which yeah. is great and good for the character and, and keeps him in what we've sort of seen in the last now four episodes. But yeah. it is sort of his old self at the same time doing that, which, which I appreciate. Yeah. And I, I get the wanting of revenge. I, I definitely understand that it seems like sort of instant gratification uh, at yeah. the same time. But yeah, um, I think like I was going to touch on this when we give our predictions for where it's headed. However, I did mention the previous episode that I, I do think that the pikes are behind this. So yeah. when I think that like all you see is the Tuscan Raider or the Tuscan camp um, has been destroyed and all you see is their symbol. It doesn't necessarily, it's either that they were involved, but maybe the Pikes put them up to it, or they weren't even involved. And because it's actually interesting, because when he 
sort of tells his story to Fennec around the fire, she kind of goes, wait, so Nikto biker gang took out the Tuscans? Like, that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't she, track, she, right? Yeah, it's she, like, she specifically says, like, that's not like, That's unlikely. So it's yeah. like, okay, so this is kind of hinting that there's more to what's going on here. For sure. And so For I sure. don't mind that he didn't wait because if it had been this scenario that you're saying playing out, he would have had to have waited all that time. Uh, to get right. his revenge, so I That's think true. like it makes yeah. sense. He gets his ship. He goes straight for the the jugular on the Nikto gang. And as far as he's concerned, right now, like without any additional information, he got paid. Like he took care. He of got. Him. He yeah. took care of. He did, got the payback he was looking for. Yep. Uh, to kind of honor the the Tuscans that have fallen. So, yep. so I think I dig that part, and I also suspect that it was actually a sort of a manipulation from the Pike gang and that's why we're kind of building to them being the adversaries of the overall series yeah right because in the second episode even in the flashback sets up the conflict sets them up yeah i mean and they don't they don't are they aren't really spoken about or or, and they're definitely not seen in chapter four so there's still more to it you know they're not just going to drop them so yeah so they do that and then of course i had i don't know about you I had no idea we were going back to Sarlacc Pit. I no, thought that might have been no the way. last time we ever done. saw it. Nah. But like he, he, you know, he doesn't really know. His memory's fuzzy about the details of him escaping and everything. It was all probably an adrenaline rush, and then of course he was left for dead. So he has no idea that the poor guy doesn't know that the Jawas already took his armor. <laughs> yeah. He thinks it's still in the bottom of the Sarlacc. Which I don't know if you know anything about like those Star Wars encyclopedias or any of the extended. Uh, lore out there that's available like those uh, uh you know the, they have like the an material. encyclopedia almost yeah the the uh, supplementary materials all that stuff it's like the tip of the iceberg like that sarlacc goes down pretty deep so i don't know what he's thinking he's gonna find his armor down there but either way he's desperate to kind of reclaim his his armor to be that sort of boba fett that that we that powerful version of boba fett that we knew before mm-hmm. And, you know, Phoenix agreed to go with him. So they kind of used the the fire spray ship to kind of hover over the Sarlacc. And now he's looking for it. And I thought this was hilarious because when we were talking about how great it was to see that shot in episode one and how they made the, the I thought, stylistic choice of just keeping it like classic Sarlacc pit. Yeah. Don't, don't need the fancy schmancy. <laughs> Here's like the other side of that where they're like, hey, any prequel fans or any like special, special edition, edition. Yeah. fans out there that wanted to see the rest of the Sarlacc, <laughs> I thought they got shortchanged. Don't worry. We're going back. We gotcha. We're doing it even bigger this time. And, you know, again, addresses, did he kill it or not? He didn't kill it the first time around. No. Um, but, you know, they came back to finish the job just like they did with the Nikto gang. So yeah. I thought it was, whether you liked it or not, I thought it, it was interesting. It was another moment where we got to see Fennec Shand rising to the occasion and showing mm-hmm. that, um, you know, without her, like he really wouldn't be able to do all these to things. Pull it off. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, so I, now I'm fine with them, with them having the, um, the head or the, the claw, whatever you want to call it, that actually is in there that they added for the special edition. I, yeah, I'm, you call that like the little shop of horrors. Little shop of horrors. That's, yeah, that's what it looks like, right? I, I'm fine with them adding that in there and sort of making that part of the continued lore and everything. That's fine. I, I'll, I'll deal with it, right? It doesn't really bother me. It doesn't throw things off all that much. I just don't understand why you would like, basically, if you, again, this is why I think of, of his ship almost as a helmet because that giant, glass that they that they look through 
feels like the face of a helmet. It's like you sticking that into like a hole in the ground. And somehow that's supposed to help you. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not getting the proportions of this pit, right? But it feels like you wouldn't be able to shoot in there. You wouldn't be able to grab anything and you wouldn't really realistically think that like, I know, I know it's addressed in a line where she's like, do you really think it's still in there? And he goes, right. or do you really think it's like it's dissolved or something like that? And he goes, not Beskar, which, yeah. which is cool. It's, an, it's also a little like reference to the whole Beskar thing and, and sure. Mandalorian. So you know what he means by that. But it's just like, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't, it didn't, this part didn't work for me that much in, yeah. in his, in the, um, in the execution of what he did. You know, the, the yeah. scene itself, I'm fine with the way that they, they played it out, like the way that. But I just don't know why this was his idea to literally like, basically, if you assume that this is a hole in the ground, <laughs> the idea of just sticking your head in the hole and being like, oh, I found my lost tennis ball. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, it just doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't ring like a like a good solution to the problem. I agree. I, but, I mean, gr- granted, I wouldn't really know how he would go about doing it. I don't like, either. I don't either. Um, I honestly don't. I, I, don't. I feel like he was trying to get the safest possible first look I get. And yeah, then he yeah. ends up, uh, but I guess when he does go in, it's after the fact, cause they know they've kind of killed it. Right. That's what happens. Well, so, he goes in. No, they when, goes, no, like when he, when he ends up dying, like climbing down, it's oh, after yeah, yeah. it's after. Right. So, yeah. so I thought that was great too, to see a callback from the seismic charge from, yeah, uh, that was, so was cool. attack of the clones. Yeah. And I love the way um, they, they cut out, they cut out and they show you the far shot and you can see the, yeah, the whole uh, uh, ripple effect of it. So it's great. nice to get closure that he actually, uh, you know, took care of that bugger, and then it's, it's finally dead. Once now we know it's dead. <laughs> uh, you know, nobody likes the Sarlacc pick. Like, yeah, let's be real. Um, I agree with you. It's like the execution was a little McClunky. However, um, <laughs> I, I do think that it's showing again. I, I mentioned it's showing that uh, Boba Fett's decisions, all of his moves are in the early stages of this series are like very impulsive. Yeah, almost desperate. Is a great word. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like desperate attempts to like climb, you know, gain some power and climb up the the ladder there. But it's Fennec Shand who seems to have that sort of like veteran presence, or at least knows who she is. Yeah, uh, confident enough to like, no, 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 like we're gonna think through this and do things a little smarter. And he's not he's not usually listening to her. Yep. But when she goes and sort of this is the first time I think this episode is where we're seeing her sort of take initiative more so than she has been, um, especially in the present. So I'm hoping yes. that that carries over now and they start, he starts sort of realizing that, you know, she's been right a lot of times and maybe I should start sort of incorporating her into the, the overall strategy. So I, I think like there were a lot of positives sort of from her characterization and like you're, I you're agree. right. It's yeah. like, it's like Boba Fett, like, what are you doing? But like, at, at least maybe we could see him, grow out of all this and yeah and, and succeed they got a, they got a like, few episodes to do it so yeah so as sort of like dodgy as it was i mean like, that was his like first sort of attempt at seeing what was going on down there maybe he thought the ship could provide more light at because they did it at night right or was no it was during the day oh, it was but, during the day it has like a huge day. spotlight on it and everything. yeah yeah, yeah. No. but it's dark inside i guess inside. Is what, yeah yeah so so yeah so he takes his look and then of course goes down for another climb which I thought it was ridiculous too because I guess maybe he was in there for longer than we realized 
initially. Yeah, again, the, like you said, the timeline stuff is a little mucky. Because so maybe like there is oxygen down there, but it was just low and like he was weak. So he used the stormtroopers oxygen to kind of give him that boost that he needed. Yeah. Um, because maybe he was down there for a while because I think the acid actually takes a long time to actually do anything. Which is why the stormtroopers covered in it and not just completely disintegrated. Completely gone, um, yeah. So, and like they do, they do strong, say, right? even before we knew anything about anything, I think the original trilogy talks like refers to the Sarlacc pit as like slowly digesting things yeah. over like thousands of years or something yeah. stupid. So, so like in that respect, maybe he was down there for a longer time, and maybe that would explain some of my gripes I have with the timing of it all. Yeah, because he climbs in and seems to come out without much burning much additional burning anyways going on and she does say it's burning you like douse you with water but it doesn't seem like it's killing him or anything no not not that quickly yeah um because she was she mentioned the armor again that that was the only thing that kind of saved you over a prolonged period of time so i thought that was those were nice details to kind of um flesh out what was going on with him in the the pit Um, it serves the importance of the armor and stuff too just like extra strength or just why he would want it so badly all that kind of stuff yeah yeah so i know like that was basically what the flashback was there was supposed to tell you this is how they connected and this is why their bond is so important and i think it kind of did a good job of that like from here on we go back to the present his healing is complete um so he's he's uh, didn't find his armor but um uh shand obviously took care of the the pit with the seismic charge yep. um they did not find the armor and then um we're in the present day it's telling him his healing cycle is complete so i took this to to realize that maybe we are going to sh- get a shift in the format um yeah. that I, maybe I we'll stick with the thing. present going forward i hope that that's not the case i hope that maybe something drastic happens early on in the next episode and they need to throw him back in the, the back to pod or as we've seen in the Mandalorian, there are other things that sort of trigger memories. Cause I want to see some other areas of his early life. They kept showing you clips of Camino and yeah. young Boba. And I would like for them to work away into the narrative of how we could see some more development from an earlier part, part in Boba's earlier life. Than that, yeah. But you know, whether or not we get that, I think it's clear that they're going to be focusing more on the uh, immediate present dangers and really try and drive the whole point of what the story we're trying to tell in Book of Boba Fett. So they're going to be spending more time now in the present and unraveling this sort of feud between uh, Boba Fett and the other families um, that are vying for power on Tatooine. And that includes the invading Pikes, which we saw at the end of the last episode that they've now arrived on Tatooine. So there's a lot going on in sort of the gangster world and, as much as I've enjoyed the flashbacks and everything like that, I think now it's starting to ramp up and we're starting to see sort of the tensions that are building. And I'm hoping that that will lead to some big payoffs. Yeah. I think that's exactly what it's going to be. I think that's, that's what they're hinting at. And I, yeah, I still, I'm still liking the, the flashbacks. I just don't know if they're going to find another way or, or if it's just going to start with a flashback and it's going to be him just like waking up in bed. You know, right. and then the rest of the way, it's it's the current timeline. I'm fine with that. I don't care how they do it, um, or if they don't do it at all, I'm still okay with that too. Like I'm I'm fine sticking to the present. I I understand where they what they did with the past, and I understand why they did it, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's it. That's it. I'm I'm good with it. I'm yeah. good with their decision. We spent half the season um, looking back and seeing why he changed, 
And to me, it's it's enough. Uh, maybe not for everybody, but to me, it's enough, and and that's it. So, um, but so I, guess, I didn't I didn't get ahead. your reaction. Sorry about the yeah, back yeah. to pod uh, because I don't know about you, but every time I see him wake up from the back to pod, now I'm expecting some sort of crazy, <laughs> like Blacker Santin or as BK's the Whopper, as we were referring to him in the last episode, just <laughs> grabbing him out of that back to pod. If they did that every episode, I'd be cool with it. So I, I don't know how you reacted when it happened in, in the last episode. It was that, great. That I was thought like, it was awesome. Definitely the highlight awesome for me. Yeah, yeah, that was like, I mean, that was the coolest thing. I mean, it's. It just I, and I said it in my in my little pre thing is that it, it's cool that it really emphasizes how strong, how intimidating the Wookiees really can be, yeah. and how like you need a team of like seven people to even have a chance against mm-hmm. a guy who is not only a Wookiee but like a champion, you know, yeah, and a bounty hunter and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, if someone else came in like grabbed him and said like, "Oh, you're finished," and then someone came in and just like picked him up or something and be like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And, you know, as much as like he was sort of built up, uh, we had high expectations going in because, of course, we had the the glimpse of him in episode in chapter two. But, yeah. you know, Mike and I discussed last episode how, you know, we were a little bummed that he kind of just let him go and we see him run away as as funny as it was to see him run. Yeah, he just kind of um, like jogs yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were kind of like, oh, like that would have been a good opportunity. And, and Mike raised a good point. He actually said like, what about the Wookiee life dad? Like, isn't that why Chewie is bound to Han? It's because he right. feels like, oh, he saved his life, so um, he now has to serve him. And and I thought about that some more, and I was like, you know what? That's it's definitely an inconsistency, no matter how you look at it. And um, me saying otherwise is really just injecting my own uh, explanations as to why it might be different. But at the same time, they do sort of refer to him as this gladiator. Maybe he was born in captivity. Maybe he was like just raised in completely. He seems different, in like a way. devoid of like his Wookiee sort of uh, culture. So like maybe it's just the fact that like he was not brought up that way. Because when you think about um, the Mandalorian, right? He's seems to have this very devout sort of religion that yeah. is like really deep within Man- Mandalorians. However, the second he meets any other Mandalorians outside of the Coven, outside of the armor. It's like, what are you doing? Like, take off your helmet. He's like, no, I can't do that. So it's like, it's yeah. not to say that, like, just because you're a Wookiee, you have to do exactly what we know a Wookiee to do. So it's, it's, it's a, I don't know, like, it's, it's definitely a valid point. Don't get me wrong. But I just think that no matter how you slice it, the scene that comes next when Boba's out on the town, it's because Fennec Shan says, uh, oh, like, maybe you shouldn't go out there. There's a war, war could break out at any, any moment. And this is where she gives that explain away line to where the mods are out there doing your job. They're, they're scoping oh, the scene. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, about so that. so she's saying the mods are out there on the streets, kind of like trying to gather Intel. So yeah. you don't have to do it. So you've already got people doing it for you, that kind of thing. But he wants to show his face. He literally he's, show his face. In his he's armor, got yeah. a thing for, uh, you know, what is Garza Whip? Because he's he's loving the sanctuary. He he likes to party there. He he he, he like likes to go back there. They they suggest that he goes back there. He doesn't even hesitate. He goes back. Yeah, he just so, goes. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, we, he wants to have another night on the town and gets a little cooped up in the old Jabba's palace. So <laughs> he heads down there, and you know what? For as much as we talked shit last time about how you know they kind of just got rid of um 
so I, I called <laughs> I called him BK as the Whopper, but I'm going to start referring to him now as Bad Santo because that's what Carson <laughs> Whip called him, Santo, and I just about died. Yeah, yeah so, that's right. Yeah. So hey, you could be San, Santo. I'll just wipe your dad or whatever she says. So yeah. as much as we were disappointed and we kind of had a feeling we'd see him again, but we kind of oh, wanted yeah. him to yeah. stick around. I mean, if all of that was just for to have this scene and have a moment where he gets recruited fully into Boba's uh, family, yeah. I mean, I'm all for it because this scene, scene that comes next like is another standout for me because anything with this this blacker santon is just he's menacing and uh he's definitely doing his own thing and he's kind of representing i think what a lot of people thought they were going to get from boba fett when they headed into the series they thought they were going to get like right. ruthless mercenary fett who doesn't give a shit about anybody and this is what we're getting from bk so it's like He's just sitting there. You can see him getting drunk while everyone's partying around him. And he's, he's kind of like glass. Yeah. He's just got the big stein there. And he's, he's just stein, like, that's it, that's it, yeah. he's, he's just, he's having his own thing. And, and you know, you've, you probably can tell, like you've been to many bars before where you can tell when someone's like just looking for trouble and that's exactly yeah. what he's doing. And he sees these Trandoshans and they're having the time of their lives and they're winning money and they're <laughs> celebrating and they have no idea that they're about to get a rude awakening. And he just comes over there all like beer goggles and whatever it is, and just like just takes them apart, like just starts tossing them around. It's great. So I, I love that scene. I didn't realize I was trying to, I asked myself this and then my wife asked me this too when we were watching it is how come he went over and literally ripped their limbs off, you know, at least for the one guy anyway. And I, I couldn't figure it out. I have no idea. I was like, I don't know. Is he just pissed off and we don't know why he's pissed off or whatever, but I didn't, I didn't make the connection. And I, and I read this later is that what's what's that that uh, that alien called the race called the trend ocean like Bosque like Bosque which which I'm I, I was thinking like that'd be cool oh, so maybe should... he has like a feud with Bosque yeah something like that would like be cool. hates trend oceans yeah well, um, apparently yeah. he does hate trend oceans because trend oceans hunted Wookies as sport and in the first episode or second when people when are he's bringing... revealed well. No, no, no. When when they're bringing uh, tributes to Boba, the yeah. Trandoshan that shows up to Boba. Oh, to the first a, episode. Yeah, yeah, the first episode when they bring oh, him a tribute. Wookie pelt. It's a Wookie pelt. So you're saying that Trandoshans typically hunt Wookie. Yes. So they gotcha. have a history, which I didn't realize, and I, I don't know if it's built off of novels or off of shows. I didn't realize. So that's why them having a good time pissed him off more no that that tracks as soon as you mentioned the wookie pelt because i i mentioned the wookie pelt when we were covering the first episode but i didn't even think about that connection neither did i i didn't know that that was a connection i thought it was just a thing definitely there on purpose yeah and that could definitely and and you know it even works on the surface level because he's such an angry dude it's just like people are having fun and i'm not like this can't happen but like there is obviously some deeper stuff going on so that's that's cool too and um you know Bosk is a trained ocean. Uh, yeah. This is, uh, you know, he's okay. So Garza Quip, who runs the sanctuary, she comes and tries to deescalate, uh, kind of fails doing so, but in, in a glorious fashion, because I, I love how great. she's just like trying to slow him down. Or she's like, you're a big, bad Santo. Like, don't worry. <laughs> you're, you're a gladiator. Everyone loves you. You're a champion, but this is not how things are like, yeah. this is not the way the world works anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I started to think about like, goons in the nhl like the enforcers and how they're kind of like a lost uh lost art form art form like it's (laughs) not to not just like not to try and uh validate 
violence in sports or anything no, like that. But, but there was a place and a time for the enforcer and guys like Ty Domi or Donald Brashear, whoever you want to champion. Yeah. They were your guy. Like you wanted to see them rough some people up and they kind of changed the momentum of the game. It's just like, that's just how it is. And like, I kind of got that feeling. I was like, we're not doing that anymore. It's like, this was the old world, like, you know, pre return of the Jedi, like before when the empire ran things like this is how, like, you got your kicks, but like it's not going to fly here in this kind of like more civilized. It's exactly um, what she's saying, right? She's like, yeah. she literally says times are changing, yeah, and it's not the same as what it was. You know, you have nothing to prove. Like she's saying all these things that I don't know. To me, sounds like, yeah, man. Like she's she's probably not, like I don't know you, but she's not wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> and the great thing is, like, she tries to kind of convince him by being like, "Well, you have run up quite a tab here. Yeah. And you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wipe it clean." And there's a moment where you're like, "Okay, that's a fair deal." Sure. And he kind of seems like he's going to go along with it. And I think he thought in his head, "Wait a second, I'm not like Sean William Scott Scott in the movie Goon. I'm more like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I am a champion." And he just like. Picks up the trend ocean and just rips his arm off. Rips like, his arm right This off. is what yeah. we want to see from our Wookiees, okay? We don't yeah. want to see yeah, the reformed it. Wookiee who has learned the error of his ways. Like, we want to see some dismembering. And, uh, and what's our... great is her reaction. She's like, well, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> and, she's, and, and she's like, hit it. And then the music starts Fett, again. I think he kind of respected the the effort, right? So it's well, just I, like. Yeah, I, I think this is another thing that I that I heard on or read um, in the same article on uh online is that uh i th- i actually just i didn't read that he was that he was impressed and that's why he wanted to recruit him i read that he was looking for someone potentially he happened to see him there and he's like this guy this guy's gonna i need a guy this is my yeah. guy you know yeah. not because of what he did but because he knows who he is they have a history together and he figured yeah. this is a guy that i can work with and can work with me and for me and let's just do it. You know, yeah. I think either way he was kind of kind of had his eye open and it was more of a coincidence potentially. Maybe it's too easy of a coincidence that yeah that that this is what what happened in front of him. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? Like as much as uh it would have been nice and consistent to just give him the sort of life debt storyline and have him join, there's a bit of a blind loyalty to that. I don't know if it's as interesting as someone who chooses to work alongside yeah. Yeah, like said no. Yeah, because then it kind of keeps things mysterious, and like you don't really know how invested he is, and how yeah. loyal he's going to be, and that's kind of a cool aspect. And the other thing to that is, like, there's many different allegiances that people have in Star Wars. It's not just like where I'm from or what type of alien am I. It's like there's also like I'm part of a, a guild, like I'm a bounty hunter. So it's mm-hmm. like, like whether he's a gladiator, whether he's a bounty hunter, however he wants to sort of identify, he's kind of doing things by his own set of rules that we're not fully aware of yet. And so just to kind of say they could have done like, yeah, Chewie, you know, life debt to Han. So let's do that with Boba Fett. And there would have been a parallel there, but then it would have been a very obvious, like you wouldn't have expected him to like double cross him or like do yeah. anything different yeah. than they also have our... a much different history. Right. So it, yeah. kind of, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did, I did sort of like that as much as we were complaining, it's like week to week. It's like, Oh no, but they fixed it here. It's like, <laughs> they, they, they wiped that slate clean and now we got a cool uh, addition to the crew. I thought. Yeah. Really I had cool. a feeling so. we'd see him again. And I liked the way that they did it. And like you said, I think the scene is actually could, could be one of the better parts of this episode for sure. Yeah. I thought it was great. 
And so now we're sort of heading into the final uh, sort of scene of yeah, the episode. Scene. Yeah. And basically, I think this is what I don't know if you did. You watch the trailer for Book of Boba Fett? Uh, yes. Yes. They, me, they had a piece from this scene. Yes. Yeah. And I think for me, this is like kind of what I kept expecting to see. So like even in the first episode, I was like, OK, we're eventually going to get to this kind of scenario yeah. that plays out where it's like yeah. meeting of the the five families but in this the case families yeah <laughs> three plus bobas and then there's the pike so really there is five families if you think about yeah. it pikes just aren't there and uh yeah so there's a this this great sort of gangster meeting it's very sopranos very the mob bosses god godfather-esque right so it's like this is kind of where i think we've reached a point now in the series where for me all of the whether it's expectations or whether it's just things that we expected to see that we got out of the trailer have kind of been like all the boxes have been checked. And now yeah. we have three episodes following this where I really have no idea. I kind of have a, an idea of a direction it's headed, maybe the destination, but I don't like, I think there's going to be a lot more surprises, things that we weren't um, privy to from the trailer. Like I think most of the material from the trailer has now been covered. I think I, that's, ex- yeah, that's exactly it. I think this is one of the things that they, that they uh, teased to is that there was like a meeting with other, other gangs or other races and other aliens and things like that. And I think we've almost seen everything. I mean, we, we, there's things that we can go back to that we've seen in the previous three episodes before this. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think now there's a lot more um, unpredictability for the next few episodes, which is, yep. which is awesome. Not, not that anything has been super predictable here, but um, yeah, you could say so most like, of it hasn't been, but like a healthy yeah. dose of unpredictability, but like mix in with that sort of, we're going to get to the final moment kind of gives you that surge of like, you, you now have a bit more expectations of what you want to see from, yeah. from the, at least the next, whether it happens immediately in the next episode, at least like for the rest of the series. Right. Yeah. So it's like, so definitely some interesting things going on. Like we said, there's a family. So you have those Trandoshans. I think the guy's name was uh, Doc Strassi. So there's the Trandoshans. There's the, um, the spider alien. What? Uh, oh yeah. I, I just remember the guy had a ridiculous name, like Master Gar Folloquox or something like that. Um, Aqualish. Aqualish. So, okay. I can't believe I got that. I have no idea what the third guy is. I don't either. He looked like a dog faced lizard or something. Yeah. I don't but, either. uh, but yeah, uh, he clearly out of the three, uh, opposing families there, he was like, I would say the, the least, the most, most vocal, vocal and yeah. maybe the least like, um, the least cooperating. Yeah. 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 For sure. He had those questions. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Boba's obviously like the, the goal of them meeting is to try and uh, pit everyone against the Pikes because they're the, the most recent uh, faction to the party. Yeah. And, uh, well, they're the ones that they're, that they're going to take over, take over all of them. Like it doesn't matter what you do or whatever. Let's, let's sort of team up. And he was saying like the way that it's already split up, the way that we have like you control this area of Mos Espa, I'll control this area of Mos Espa, like which seems to be at this point like the capital of Tatooine because it's so like everyone gravitates towards it. It seems like it's bigger or more 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 advanced at least. Yeah. So so yeah, I think I think it must be. So like this is like the city that everyone wants sort of a piece of, right? So it's like he's like, no, you get 
to keep your territory. I'm going to keep Jabba's palace. We're all going to be copacetic, but like the pikes are a problem. And basically I think it's It's obvious, but at the same time, it's like, that doesn't mean that they necessarily just want to go along with what Boba's saying because they're kind of like greedy and out for themselves and untrusting and that all, that all tracks. It's all underworld stuff. Right. It does. I honestly thought like, this is some of the best like present day, at least set up that we're getting. Yeah. Like yeah. it's kind no, it was, of it was a good scene. setting the stage scene. for like whether or not it's going to be like three episodes that feel like uh, end of second act, third act, or it's just going to be like all building to a final episode. That's just like all at war. I don't really know the, yeah. the finer details, but it just seems like this is building a lot of the, the set pieces for the finale. Um, so yeah, so we got that meeting, and you know, they, they he didn't get exactly what he wanted, but I think that that was kind of the his game was like bring like tell them what I want, but then bring them kind of like to a happy medium, which was essentially don't cross me, like don't um, don't give in to the pikes, just kind of stay neutral. And we're, yeah, he specifically I'm, I'm gonna... says just stay if they ask you. All I ask is that you stay neutral. Like he's he's specifically saying like he's not in. He's not in the business of taking over their territory. He just wants things as is. And like, he just wants to be comfortable. It's almost like he wants to retire while also having power. That's That's what it feels like (laughs) to me, right? Like he just, he wants a little bit of the best of both worlds. But when you think about it, the way that he presents it and the way that he, you you might think of, of someone in that position, it's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Sure. I get that. But like you said, the other families, the other factions from their perspective, they they could kind of just go with whatever their interest is in, right? Yeah. And they bring and they bring up those points in the discussion around the table too. So yeah, I think they just I think as, they address it all. Just as they're getting like a little chatty and trying to talk back, that's when like the whole room shakes and the yeah. rancor claws just come up through the grates, <laughs> which I loved. Like I I, I don't awesome. know how you felt about the previous episode and them setting that up, but like the fact that, that we're cool. getting that a new up. rancor. Yep. Uh, I like that more that it has nothing. It's not tied to like anything that came before. It's just a new rancor. Yep. It could have its own personality. It could have its own relationship to Boba Fett. I thought the whole, like the idea that we're going to dive deeper into the nature of the rancor was just as great as like any of the other elements that we're kind of exploring yep. deeper in this series. So I thought yep. that was cool. I'm all for the more fact- rancor stuff. I like the yeah. way they look. I like the way they, they've always been presented. I like yeah. how they show up in bad batch. Like all that stuff is, is cool. Did you ever have the toy of like Jabba's palace where there was no, like a the little rancor? I wish like those I, little star Wars micro that. machines I had. Yeah. Had yeah. One of my friends cool. had one of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, like the rancor has always been a great part of star Wars. And like, I don't think it takes away from, the original it might like add a little bit of layers like peel back the onion kind of thing but like but i did mention to mike in the previous episode that i think what they tried to do in the bad batch was way more heavy-handed um than what they're doing with this one so i think when they explored that sort of young rancor in the bad batch i didn't mm-hmm. like that they were kind of insinuating that it might be this very same rancor that we see in return right. of the jedi Right. Which, if that's what they were going for, that didn't land with me at that's, all. That's a fair point, especially because yeah. Bib Fortuna shows up at the end of that one. So, right. not 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 a huge fan of that whole. I I didn't mind. It was like it was okay. It was okay until it felt like it was too much. Like I didn't mind the yeah. kind of early stages of that. But with this one, it's like I'm all for what they're trying to set up. I know that uh, Mike did mention, and I agree with him that it's it's a little much to be like I'm going to ride this thing because like we know you're going to ride it. Like you just said the witches wrote it and then it said 
they also had the moment where it locks in with you. So like, obviously you're going to ride the damn thing. I didn't know, know if you necessarily had to say it, but that was really funny. Well, I, I, I don't think it's as obvious. I don't know if it's, if it's that obvious because um, what's the actor's name that plays the handler of the, Oh, uh, Danny Trejo. Yeah. He seems a little bit shady. Maybe that's just the character, (laughs) but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's being planted there by the huts. I, I would not be surprised. It's funny you say that because like oh. obviously Danny Trejo and Robert Rodriguez go like hand in hand. Yeah. And he does typically play like shady characters in Maybe a lot that's of different what it things. Is. Maybe it's just um, the history. However, like when you said that, it's so funny because I'm watching this series with my dad as well. And he also said the same thing. And I Did looked it? at him like, are you crazy? Like he said, like, like how you'd say to a dog, like, don't worry, he's going to be back. Like, but like he, you and him both read this like, subplot of like him just like plotting against boba fett with like but, this but nefarious specifically rancor. it's it's the, it's because it came from the huts right? right like they're not they're i know this is going back in the other episode but they're not i don't think they're going to disappear i think they're coming back and like it, it's it's not only that it's tatooine it's that it's their uncle's palace yeah right like there's more to this going on and i could just be stretching you could be honestly exactly right but would i would cool. love it if you're right because i did not see it coming like honestly yeah like i would love it if you're right because you the way you're having it is because i wasn't even counting them on coming back but it would make sense because they set them up so for them to just be one and done is like yeah it's it, it makes a little bit more sense if they try and work them back into the story especially when there's three episodes still yeah, there's still time. So, there's time. So that's an interesting side of things because I just thought, okay, now the way you're setting, you're painting the picture is that okay, uh, he Danny Trejo is telling him, okay, he's going to lock on you. You're the first thing he's seen, so he's going to obey you. But or I don't think he's, he's the first ar- thing he's seen. Maybe he's already seen the huts. He's already seen and the huts, or he's already seen Trejo's like character. One of the twins or something is like really the yeah. monster because because I think or Danny Trejo because exactly. in the in Return of the Jedi. I really do feel like if that's the case, that the Rancor master, the the half naked guy who's crying he cries, after yeah. the Rancor de- dies, I think he would have been that that guy, right? The exactly. Guy that which, Rancor is, listens which is exactly why I thought that whatever that character's name is, whatever his na- character's name is in the show, which I I don't even know if they say it, um, which is why like why wouldn't he be that person? Like right. I find it hard to believe that the guy that arrives with it and has the the stick or the pole or you know whip whatever equivalent you want to make it like he's never be, taken that blood yeah, he's never taken off. it off like look <laughs> at the size of this thing it wasn't born yesterday you know yeah, like, it's been blind for its entire life yeah it's been blind for 13 years like i it just doesn't doesn't <laughs> track for me so i agree i mean that's those are some interesting points because i took it at face value like no exactly what danny treo says he's coming back he's he's in love or uh, or yeah, i'm yeah. just I'm I'm reading into no, it. You know, and, it's interesting it, because I think that it, or they're yeah, placing it, his character to seem that way to be questionable, and that's like, just the way he is. Either know? way, it shouldn't be so contrived to be like, oh no, it's exactly this. So I think right. like it's it's fair to have like an opposing opinion. It's just funny because when when that first was raised at, at face value, I was just like, what are you serious? You just said no. Like he'll be back. Don't <laughs> worry, he's gonna come back. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Anyways, I thought that was really entertaining and yeah. I'm just loving where the possibilities went. Like obviously we're gonna see yeah. Boba try and ride this thing or whatever, but it would be funny if uh if like he kicks him off and then like it's this big. I think d- I think they're gonna cross. do a similar montage that they did to episode two with riding the, the bikes. It's gonna right. be him learning to ride the rain. I think that's next episode, honestly. Oh, that, I think that's, I think that's chapter five. 
maybe awesome. maybe six but um but i think yeah. that's what we're getting next yeah uh, so, cool. so so yeah so once these families sort of agree to boba's plan they all kind of you see them depart in like a convoy away from yeah. java's palace and this is signaling the end of the episode but like i gotta say it ended on a high note literally because it ended with unmistakably like you mentioned earlier in the episode it's got to be the mandalorian theme which, well, this one's even more obvious because I yeah. think it actually is a little bit longer. The other one before is like a note or two. This one kind of goes for a few seconds. It's almost like you're ending an episode of The Mandalorian at that point. It yeah. was just like, that's exactly it. And then, of course, credits and we get the, the concept art. But yeah. that, that's that got to be an exciting. It's it's not like you had this great reveal of like Luke Skywalker standing there at the end or something. But it was like there was no character. It was just uh, Boba Fett and Fennec Shan. And they're discussing like, how are we going to deal with this sort of coming war and she starts asking about their reserves like do you have treasure he's like yeah i've got enough credit yeah, they've yeah. got to recruit more people clearly because they didn't even have if you think back to the flashback they didn't have they don't have enough people to deal with like any substantial army so it's like they're definitely going to need to recruit some more like obviously bad santos in the mix and he's going to cause some havoc but and the rancor but that's still not enough to deal with like invaders. Yeah. So it's, it's like a handful of people. Like <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, he's going to need reinforcements. And I think about when we think about reinforcements in respect to these live action Star Wars series, we've only seen one other series. That's the Mandalorian. And we know yeah. he loves to go around and collect his reinforcements. So are we going to get a sequence where they actually go off of Tatooine to go and recruit Din Djarin himself? which I but, think would be. Incredible. Yeah, I, th I think, I mean, that's definitely what they're heavily hinting at for sure. I just don't know. Again, this goes back to your like initial point from like an hour ago. It was just like, <laughs> what? we've been doing this for a long time, patrons, but it, but it's just like, where, what is the, what's the time frame here? Yeah. Because he's obviously has to, he has to see him on that other planet. He has to get his armor and then come back. And no, no, no. Because you're crossing the flashback now with the present day. Oh, so he's in the oh, present yeah, I am. day. I am. Oh, we my God. are now further along than anywhere in the timeline that's as right. far as so the shows past, are concerned. Yeah, we're past the Luke Skywalker. And that's an interesting place to find Din because yeah. he's without Grogu. And Wait, he's probably he getting right drunk now? at a bar somewhere. Or maybe he went back to that planet the called the Sanctuary, right? The planet, or not oh, the planet, but the episode was called yeah, The Sanctuary, that's right, where he met that. that woman. Yep. Wouldn't it be interesting to see if he had gone back to her or something? Or oh, yeah. I don't know, but uh, the other the other part to that is maybe he didn't settle down. Maybe he's still dealing with the Mandalorians, and maybe we're going to get like a full-on Mandalorian uh, entourage. Ooh, that would right? be cool. Because maybe he's still with Bo-Katan. Uh, because those action scenes that we got in season two, it was I think it was episode two or three, uh, where he's trying to escape and, and all yeah. the other Mandal like that was great. That was so yeah. cool. That was um, cool. That's a good point. I never thought that they all could kind of come and help, or at least a group of them. And could like come and it help. makes sense thematically. I mean, he's wearing Mandalorian armor. Yeah. So if he could get some Mandalorian backup and obviously if it was just Mando, it'd be amazing. But imagine we could get like a handful of them. Like, well, and that's sick. why I was thinking when we mentioned Bosk earlier is like, what if he gets other bounty hunters? Bounty hunters. Like, like that's where we could see someone like Cad Bane show up or something yeah. like that. Yeah. IG-88 cool. and stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I love those droids. So that would be cool. And the reason why Bosk is more interesting, why I thought of it eventually is because of what I was saying about. There's going to be that clash between exactly. Bosk and uh, BK. Like that would, that would be, and I always thought that Bosk was a cool character. Like I always kind of liked the way he looked and 
he just seems like all the other sort of um bounty hunters he's pretty badass so like mm-hmm. why not another one yeah um, but but actually it's a good i actually think that the mandalorian um fighters coming with them actually would be would be just as cool i, I never thought of that that's actually an awesome idea that could that yeah, could happen and, and i never really thought other than the story beats of like continuing on from where we saw boba and fennec shand and I, I never really imagined that it was going to tie in more with the mandalorian other than no, that, the really. fact that he was a spin-off character from yeah. the second season um and she uh fennec shand was introduced in the first season so there was a lot there to work with but i just didn't think that we were gonna it's almost like you can watch two seasons of the mandalorian then watch this and then see whatever happens next in season yeah. three so it's well, like i think that's probably it's, what it's like required do. viewing now right like yeah. if you're a fan of the mandalorian I agree. So, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's what they're hinting at. We'll see where it actually goes. Um, we have three episodes, which based on how much we've covered in the last a lot. four, there's yeah. a lot of time. A lot of things can happen. For I feel sure. like, like this was definitely a setup episode, like you mentioned, um, but not in a bad way. Uh, just cause I had some gripes with some of it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it, but I think that the next few are going to be in the present time, like we mentioned. And I think we're going to see some interesting stuff and definitely some cameos who it is and why is a whole other thing but there's a lot of places they could go with this that involves all the For other sure. factions definitely the pikes but potentially the huts potentially yeah. you know dinjarin like there's a lot of things they could do here so. yeah i've been so caught up with the idea of like this rivalry with the pikes that i wasn't even considering the huts coming back because they did seem to like sort of definitively be leaving tatooine but who knows it could have been a ruse instead I, I th- of making I a deal with that's what yeah, I like if their goal is to regain Jabba's palace, maybe instead of making a deal with anyone else on Tatooine, they actually made a deal with the Pikes. So exactly. it's like, it's exactly like what you I'm can thinking. take Tatooine, just leave us a Jabba's palace or something like that. Like, yeah, like I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's a that's a good point. So that's just before I, we've sort of wrapped the episode, but just before we get out of here, is there sort of any other predictions or any other sort of? I think it's going to go here kind of moments. Or... No, I, I, I honestly, I think the, the, the huts are going to come back. They could be working with the pikes. And um, I was thinking that um, Mando's coming back at some point, even if it's really brief in the last or second last episode in some sort of fight, or it's going to be someone like Bosk that comes back. But I never thought of the Mandalorian sort of group coming in. So those are the possibilities I see where it's going. Anything in between that, I have no idea. They're definitely yeah. going to go back to the sanctuary and something's going to happen there. I think that that she could even what's what's the character's name? The um, Garza Whip. Yeah, I think there's something going on with her. And there's yeah. definitely something we still have to explore with the mayor because he took off yeah. a couple episodes ago and they're still holding his buddy and we haven't seen him in, in a full episode now. Like there's something going to go be going on there. Yeah. Um, sounds like in this episode, they said that he he cut a deal with the Pikes in some way or at least he's talking to them so there's something still ha- happening there so there's there's a number of possibilities but uh yeah. but I, I think that's exciting i think it's cool that we can't pinpoint where it's gonna go exactly it's it doesn't seem obvious which means that even if it's like even if some of our predictions happen i don't think it'll feel like oh yeah like i knew that was gonna happen like I it agree. just seems so up in the air and so i do think that we're inevitably building to a war with the pikes it just seems that that's what they're setting up for so that's that seems like it could be great, yep. but this immediate episode, whether I think, I think it's kind of saying that, okay, we have to recruit an army. So I do think that we could see him go off world in the next one. And then from there, if you think about 
we've had this format of flashbacks and Mm -hmm. it seems to be that they could go away given that he's done with the back to tank. However, think about this. The last four chapters, he's been on Tatooine and those flashbacks have been rooted in his experience on Tatooine since the Sarlacc pit. So what if he goes off world and they find a new reason to give him flashbacks and those flashbacks are other parts of his life that don't take place on Tatooine. I would love anything to do with pre- Return of the Jedi, Boba Fett, in any other era of his life that doesn't exist on Tatooine, I think that would be a great addition to the show. That's some, basically some yeah. teen angst Boba. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not get some Daniel Logan action? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm cool. In with that between, too. Yeah. like in between, like be, like kid Boba from Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. and the one we know, uh, you know, in present day. It'd be nice to have sort of a mid-range like mission from from. If both they're gonna find sure. a way to link to link it back and sort of like relate the experiences and stuff, do it. Do it at any time. You know, do it when he's when he's ten years old. Do it when he's uh, when he's eighteen. You know, whatever. I, I'm yeah. all for that too. Absolutely. And especially because I gotta mention this again because Mike was kind of talking about it the last episode. And I I think it's a distinct possibility if we can get Tamar Morrison playing any other character in the Star Wars galaxy because he is in fact a clone. That would is, be incredible. That actually would be really cool. If we if yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we go if they're going off planet that they bump into another him. Yeah. You know? If I had to possible. make a guess, it'd be someone like Rex or something like that. I don't think yeah. it'd be like anyone from the Bad Batch or anything like no, that, but right. it would be something like another like one of the clones that we know from the animated series. Yeah, another, another one that we know of. Yeah, 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 for sure. And Rex is a cool character anyway, so. Yeah. Um, okay, all right. So we dug deep we into did it. We did it. We really I did it. it. <laughs> <laughs> so 90 minutes of chapter four, That's The Gathering chapter. Storm, which is actually spells it out right there. Right? Yeah, it's, so. it's pretty obvious that it's, it, it's almost like the title of the episode two is just telling you that they're gathering up to what's happening in the second half of the season. <laughs> like, oh, I, I hate to throw you a, like one last sort of it, man. post credit scene jab, but like, did it. you notice who the director was in this episode? I don't remember offhand. I don't know how to pronounce this, so forgive me. Kevin Tancherowen, who did, drumroll please, Boba Fett drums, oh, 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 oh. Mortal Kombat 2021, baby. What? Really? Yeah, the director of Mortal Kombat directed this episode. <laughs> so where was? I guess that's why the limb got pulled off. Yeah, the limb, <laughs> that, that, that sequence, which gotta gotta admit was probably a highlight of the episode for me. That's great. Yeah. And when they were doing some hand-to-hand combat in the heist scene, I definitely saw some like cool takedowns from Fennec Shand, and I think Boba Fett was doing some stuff with his yeah, 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 Gaffy yeah. stick. So I, I guess the combat direction was coming from yeah. the Mortal Kombat man himself. Nice, so, yeah, That's pretty cool, awesome. Cue, cue the Mortal Kombat uh, 1995 right. music. <laughs> Flawless victory. <laughs> but, yeah. All right, sir. Um, we'll uh, we'll be back for chapter five. Uh, if anyone's listening to us on Patreon that has not gone to the main feed yet, we will be having uh, our top stuff from 2021 coming up as well. And uh, other than that, we got to figure out what we're doing next, man. It's going to be February by the time we get to our next episodes outside outside of our favorite 2021s. And uh, we're going to have some fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll come up with some fun stuff. We'll come up with something different. We'll be good. We'll, we'll figure good. it out <laughs> off the seat of our pants like usual. So that's um, right. Yeah. Ian, thanks for joining me, man. This is awesome. Perfect. Yeah, man. Perfect stuff, man. This is great. Okay. Thanks okay. everyone for listening. We'll uh, talk to you next time.